Not much chance. Completely cut loose from purpose. He was a young man riding a bus through North Carolina on the way to somewhere. And it began to snow. And the bus stopped at a little cafe in the hills and the passengers entered. And he sat at the counter with the others and he ordered and the food arrived. And the meal was particularly good. And the coffee. The waitress was unlike the women he'd known. She was unaffected, and there was a natural humor which came from her. And the fry cook said crazy things, and the dishwasher and back laughed, a good, clean, pleasant laugh. And the young man watched the snow through the window, and he wanted to stay in that cafe forever. And the curious feeling swam through him that everything was beautiful there. And it would always stay beautiful there. And then the bus driver told the passengers that it was time to board. And the young man thought, I'll just stay here. I'll just stay here. But then he rose and he followed the others onto the bus. He found his seat and he looked at the cafe through the window. And then the bus moved off down the curve, downward out of the hills and the young man looked straight forward and he heard the other passengers speaking of other things or they were reading or trying to sleep and they hadn't noticed the magic and the young man put his head to one side closed his eyes and pretended to sleep there was nothing else to do just listen to the sound of the engine and the sound of the tires in the snow. This is uh, CITR 101.9 FM Ink Studs. My guest today is uh, Jordan Crane. Um, I was looking through the stack of stuff, and you've got a, a, a variety of isolated works, I guess is the way to put it. Uptight number three just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, Cole D is still available somewhere. You have it? Last Lonely Saturday, Keeping Two, Clouds Above, Hand of Gold, and the always uh, expensive and hard to track down non series. Right. Of, uh, they, yeah, I guess they are kind of hard to track down. I, I spent a lot on my number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. They, sometimes they go for cheap on eBay and sometimes they go for money that surprises me on eBay but you know I think it's in the neighborhood of $100 which I've spent that much on like I, I, I there's this clip art zine called uh, Crab Hound and I spent a lot of money tracking down the, uh, the first editions of those you did the cover for number 6 right? I did that was uh, completely un like the guy called me out of the blue literally I had been meaning to write him a letter just to tell him how much I liked his zine and he called he it, it it was a weird thing he was okay so i was working for city beat in los angeles which is uh was it's the weekly newspaper in los angeles and i was working for there and the art director and i got to be friends and it uh turns out that um the guy that did uh crap hound uh sean Tejurachi, was living in uh the guy's garage 
Like, oh, not, not exactly a garage. It's kind of like a converted garage. And so he was, like, renting it from him. And totally, you know, completely random. Hadn't even talked to the guy yet. And then I, you know, got a call. And I was like, of course I'm going to do the cover. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> so. so what was it, Crab Hound, like? Pardon? What was it? What was it in it? Just scene um, or? The clip art. Oh yeah, this is literally like just, just, just little uh, odd just images. Uh, not even odd. They just had the- like the issues were themed. Like the one I did was uh, death, scissors, and telephones, and it is every image of death, scissors, and telephones that he was able to find that he liked, and there were a ton of them. It's a lot. It you know it probably ranges like it's it's in production, but the images were produced you know from the early part of the century all mm-hmm. the way up until current images and you know there's a lot of questionably copyrighted material in there um and that's okay it's he, a zine he says it's, he says it's a work of uh of parody yeah. i mean I, I guess that's his loophole <laughs> loophole but um i mean it's everything and it's amazing like the images are just everything in there is awesome and the way he lays out the pages are you know it it ends up being really very interesting how he lays out the pages. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's, you know, some biting sarcasm, just the way it's all laid out. And uh, great. It is one of the best zines ever made. Not to make any superlative statements, but in this case, it's actually <laughs> true. It really is. It's, it's astounding. It's so good. And he, he um, one of the things that I particularly appreciated about it is that he, uh, is able to he, he, everything is, is is printed very well. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as it should be in a clip art zine. But um, he uh, he is able to recover images from, say, online and uh, and from you know half toned images, and he he works them until they are reproducible by everybody. You know, and and and, and is able to. You know, reproduce them as line art. Yeah, and it's beautiful. It's it's super. I mean, it's just the level of craft that goes into that zine is just astounding. I guess that leads me very directly into how you got into comics. Thing, um, were you a zine kid mm. at one point, or no, I wasn't. I, uh, I mean, that came, that didn't come until later. I I, I came into comics. Um, completely out of not out of the blue, but out of not knowing I didn't know anybody in comics I just went to the comic book store and bought comics and uh, I drew comics for my my college newspaper but um, I didn't know anybody that was publishing comics or making comics and so I just kind of decided to do it for myself and figure out how to make it and um, and that you know I was able to meet people like the first person I met um, it was Ted May or met I mean you know online met but uh, he was the first, probably, you know, mm-hmm. lifetime cartoonist type person, you know, person who was like seriously doing it um, that I met, and uh, and then it kind of went from there. Did you go to art school? I didn't. You didn't. No. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I went to I went to college for engineering. Really? Yeah. Uh, environmental engineering. It, it started out as mechanical engineering, and then it went to environmental engineering. And uh, yeah, I kind of <laughs> I got through it. <laughs> it was it was it was yeah. It took it took a while, and you know my grades weren't too too swell. Uh, but 
it was cool. You know, I, I'm, I liked it. I, I did want to go to art school, but I, I just couldn't afford it, and uh, um, there's not a lot of grants. And plus, I didn't have any work to to show them. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, the only thing I had from high school was like this, like six pages of some post-apocalyptic teenager comic uh, <laughs> involving hovercrafts and you know girls that were locked up and all that. And it was all. It didn't even ink it. It was just in pencil, tight pencils. Tight. But, you know. <laughs> all, all the, all, but it was all the wonderful things you can expect in a post-apocalyptic comic. Exactly, hovercrafts, uh, futuristic Corvettes. That were styled on. Uh, wow, I, to- I guess I totally called that one. It was a futuristic. It was a. It was a Corvette from the future, except it was styled on um, like the '56 Corvette. And and this was before all the car companies were going through their old designs and uh, and making you know crappy versions of uh, of their old designs. You could have gone into automotive design instead. Uh, yeah, of yeah, if I would have gone to Art Center, I would have. I who knows? I might have been doing exactly that. And, oh, that would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it would have. <laughs> I just can't imagine the many layers of, of suck that that would fill. You'd uh, probably be crying right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I'd be drunk. I'd be drunk right now. I'd have to... I'd have already had my... I'd have started the day with my, my morning six-pack. No, you'd have been drinking something nicer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you, no, it's true, actually. It probably would have been scotch, because I'd be rich. There we go. Yeah. Anything that helps uh, quell the tears. Mm, ease the pain yeah. of oh. living. So, <laughs> Non, um, what was the choice in doing that? And that was t- you, Ted, and one other person, right? I'm trying to remember. I have uh, f- it was Larry Stone, Ted May, and... Me and God, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. I think in that that's it. Issue. I'm pretty sure that's um, it. I don't have it in front of me, and my memory is uh, it's not awesome. But yeah, that, I'm pretty sure the first issue was was me, Larry Stone, and, and Ted May. And uh, yeah, I, the star, I, yeah, it was it was basically I had an internet job. You know, it was during those halcyon days of uh, of the internet where. Uh, kids just out of school were making insane amounts of money just because they knew how to make a web page. And I thought, wow, I'm making all this money. I may as well be a publisher. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Um, And that, yeah, that's kind of how it, that's that's exactly how it got started. I just dumped everything I made into printing books. I mean, and paying rent. (laughs) Yeah, well, you gotta, you gotta have some. I bought food, too. You know. So, how did um, being in contact with Ted kind of change how you looked at comics, or like kind of pushed you to do your own comics? Well, um, I don't think it was specifically Ted that uh, that, that changed it, but um, I mean, what about Ted? Like, well, what about it was that awesome time? To see like his work because it was crazy. It was this totally. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was this completely unhinged just awesome forward moving exciting story and I at that point in my comic you know reading I didn't read any Marvel and I didn't read old comics so I had no idea of his you know his his Kirby leanings or anything like that so I was just seeing it exactly for what it was on the page you know um 
And, I, you know, I'm sure if I knew anything about Kirby, I would have been even more excited about it. But, but as it was, it was, um, it just seemed like this, this just very exciting. Crazy. Insane, you know, just going anywhere, you know, adventure, you know, road, road, road story, basically, you know, and, uh, and it was great. And, uh, I couldn't, I can't say it, it had, uh, any particular effect on my stories other than that I've always really wanted to do stories that are unhinged, you know, just that are just nuts. And um, it's, it's definitely a, a very, uh, something that needs to be, well, in my case anyway, it's, it's you know, it, it, a chance it's to just cultivated a little bit because I don't think I'm naturally like that, but it's something I, 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 I'm always, always, always attracted to in like music, in, in art, in, uh, that 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 quality where something feels like it's just about to completely fall apart like um like dead moon is a band that's like that where the drum and the guitar and the singing are all very tenuous tenuously held together and it's like at any moment if anybody does something wrong it's just fucking come to a, it comes to a screeching halt and that isn't to say that in Dead Moon's case, they're bad musicians because they're not. They're actually very, very, very good, but it's like just the way everything's put together, it just feels very tenuous. It's just... And <clears throat> so it's that, that kind of verging on the uh, on the edge of collapse, you know, and that's, that's how Ted May's comics feel as well, where they're just like, you know, his drawing style... Oh, he could fuck up any second. He never fucks up. It's beautiful, <laughs> but it looks like it's like, oh God, what? he barely knows how to draw. Not true, but like, it's it's just that edge of like, uh, you know, it's like the whole Japanese school of what is it? I, I forget it was bad drawing or whatever. I forget what the actual Japanese name for it is, but it's like these cartoonists in this bad drawing school are actually excellent artists, but th- because all of their drawings tell you exactly what they're supposed to tell you but there's that you know rawness of like oh god it's going to fall apart and his stories too you're you know he would just do the stuff where you're like why are you doing this this is crazy don't do that i want you to go this other way no (laughs) really you're gonna go this way but it works and it's it, it it finishes up and it's amazing and so it's it's really exciting for me to read something like that and um i've always admired that and you know i you know (laughs) <laughs> hope one day to reach that in my own work <laughs> well your work I mean it is certainly much more um, controlled mm-hmm. subdued mm-hmm. For, for the most part what were you reading um, at that point in your early days of getting going to the comic store what would you pick up um, not, not, not a whole like wide variety of comics I mean I have to say I read more more books than I do comic books uh, probably just because there's more out there mm-hmm. but I mean when I at, at that point when I was going to the store it was just like well like 32 stories that was the first I picked that book up and that was the first thing that made me go hey wait a minute I could do this anybody can do this um, which was awesome and I read that probably a year before I started publishing um, and that was very inspiring just to see the progression of, you know, he started out drawing shitty. I mean, still totally awesome and probably better than I can draw, but uh, 
you know, he started out drawing shitty and got better and better and better, and it kind of made it apparent that it's like, wow, you just draw and you can get better. That's the one of the really <coughs> neat things about that book is, that, yeah, it's that progress that I love seeing, and I yeah. love seeing that in artists yeah. where you see a start. So. Yeah, and it was, so that was very inspiring, but, you know, other than that, it was like 8-Ball and, and Acme and... Uh, um. The Fanta School. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I, 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 I Palookaville was coming out then. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I didn't get into Chester Brown until later. Um, that surprises me. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I just didn't. Uh, you know, Underwater I think was the one that was out about that time, and it uh, seemed yeah. too weird. Um, which I, you know, it's it just I guess took the right eye to be able to read it, but. Um, I don't think there's very many eyes then. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's just it it's 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 pretty amazing. I love like I, I'm a huge Chester fan. I think he's really important, um, and I love the backup stuff in that mm-hmm. the the gospels. But as far as the the underwater itself, I don't know if it necessarily worked, and that's probably why I stopped. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it didn't work, but still. It's it's I think it's pretty it's it's pretty awesome and uh, I had the Happy Clown I just didn't even know anything about uh, probably my store didn't have it or anything and I probably wouldn't have liked it anyway at that point because I wouldn't have been able to appreciate the experimental aspect of it you know where he was just kind of like pushing himself to just draw mm-hmm. and I mean at this point I can appreciate it very much for the creativity that goes into it. You know, I don't know if, you know, it's necessarily super satisfying as, like, a final work, but for the, like, watching the mind behind it, it's just fucking... It blows you away. as hell. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. So, I guess, uh, w- how did Non progress? How did that change from this little comic you put out with your buddies? Um to the uh, m- carefully manufactured <laughs> the um, well it was it was a totally natural progression it was just um, you know the next issue I I basically early on decided that uh, and it, my approach was I'm paying $2,000 to print this book um, and well, I might as well other stuff in it that I like, you know, it's it's not like pages, you know, more pages make that big a difference in the printing yeah. cost, and so uh, I just, you know, it was kind of like let's let's see what else I like, and as my reading and likes of comics grew, I basically made it a point to ask everybody whose work I had ever liked at any point in time ever. I mean, I even sent a note to Bill Watterson. <laughs> you know, nothing ever happened to that. You know, I actually got my my book returned to me, but uh, wow. You know, um, but basically everybody who I ever liked, uh, I asked to be in it, and um, and to my surprise, a lot of them said yes, and so it started growing like that. And you know, as each issue came out and it became um, more read, then more people. Seems to re, you know, appreciate it, and they were part of it until number five happened, um, and that was like I had been working on Coldy 
and Kurt Wolfgang had been working on more hats go, and we both applied for Zarek grants to print those books. Yeah. And we both got Zarek grants to print those books, which created a problem because I had originally been planning on putting them in non number five. And um, the problem was that they had to be printed as their own books because of the Zarek grant. Yeah. Like, I couldn't just take the Zarek grant money that Kurt got and the Zarek grant money that I got and put it into printing non number five. Um, and so we went, we talked about it and said, okay, fine. So we're going to print the books. We're going to make them identical in terms of, you know, format. And uh, we'll, you know, put them, somehow attach them <laughs> to the rest of the anthology. And, uh, I mean, if you look at it from that point, it's not this awesome, like, uh, design thing. It's actually this pretty cobbled together, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, how can these books, and this other bigger book be one package hmm and uh and that's how it all kind of like ended up fitting together i've heard stories of endless hours of cartoonists sitting around cutting oh it was cardboard. horrible it was absolutely horrible um i mean it was you know at first it was great it was like hey all this camaraderie and everything but it quickly ended up being like me with a stack of movies sitting in my living room with literally towers of cardboard you know around me that I was gluing together and you got to understand like the original quote I did for the cardboard was for oh god it was just fucking the whole production thing was littered with fuck ups on on my end I'm sorry am I cussing too much for We're the in video? Canada It doesn't matter it, it it it'll be fine Whoa um I just blew your mind <laughs> You did <laughs> out it's gone um it was littered 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 with fuck-ups it was uh so cardboard being one of them i originally got a quote for uh getting a piece of cardboard die cut that was thick enough to just glue onto the piece of paper and fit the two books in done right they said they could do it Da, 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 da. I've paid them like half I've paid them to deposit time is coming they've tested it it's not working work around work around work around this is the thickest piece of cardboard that we can cut and have this die work on it and it ended up I had to take four of those and glue them together before then gluing it into the thing so here I am just gluing cardboard and then gluing it and then gluing it and gluing, gluing more cardboard and finally putting it inside the uh the cover which you know i which was like screen print and the cover itself had to be cut down to size and then scored because nobody had a scoring machine that was big enough for or nobody no place i called had a scoring machine that was big enough for the long piece of paper that it was mm-hmm. and um so you know i scored every single one of those with a you know scoring thing and a uh you know, straight edge, and you know, and so it's just like this. The production was endless, and it was maddening. It was it was seriously brain mind numbing, is what it was. It was just it was just fucking rock of burden. Now I I heard somewhere that you didn't actually end up. I mean, you hit a wall at some point and didn't print up or put together the amount of copies that people say are floating around. Is that right? I think I made it to 2,000. I'm pretty sure I made it to 2,000. I had extra copies of it. Like, you know, there's always the over... Yeah. And I think I have somewhere at my mother's house, (laughs) 
like about 500 more of the pink book, the biggest one. Um, but I'm pretty damn sure I hit 2,000. I could be wrong. And there's still uh, coldies around. There's still a few coldies. Um, I've got like a box of them left. And, uh, and there's some more hats go. I think Kurt has a box or two of those. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's in dribs and drabs. It's, it's, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, I don't know. I, I, I kind of was trying to get it up for non-number six, and I talked to some people, and, you know, we were about to do it. But at that point, I had stopped doing Internet design. Mm-hmm. And there was also just this just giant clusterfuck of, because here's another fucking thing. Oh, my God. It's just endless. Like, I mean, just talking about it is bringing back all this horrible shit. Like, there was, like, there were about three or four years that I could not talk about the production of Non-Number 5 without my blood pressure just, like, seriously fucking shooting up, and my heart would start beating, and I would start sweating. It was... I mean, I'm telling you, there are so many disasters. And, and another one was that I flew out to Massachusetts, rented a truck... And drove up to Diamond to pick up non-number five, like the pink book, yeah. Where Hats Go, and Coldy, right? Yeah. The pink book wasn't ready. I told them, I was like, I need it by this date. Can you do it by this date? And, I, and I, the date was like <clears throat> two weeks ahead of, like two weeks after the date they had quoted me. Yeah. I was like, so here's the drop-dead date. I need it on this day because I'm buying a plane ticket. And, you know, it's like I find out a couple days before I get on the plane that, no, we don't have it. And this was to save on shipping, <laughs> right? <laughs> because shipping those giant books out to California is a lot of money. It was just endless, 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 like one fuck-up piled on another. And so it ended up being this giant suck of money, too, because at the beginning I had it pretty dialed in in terms of money. I was going to end up spending about $10,000 of my own money on um, on making it. And then there was the Zarek Grant money, which was going to pay for printing the other two books. And um, so it was like a $20,000 project, all, all told. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just, you know, I was, you know, and, and, and I, I priced it so that I would be making, like, I think it was about... Like, each book cost about $12, and I was selling them for $22. So I, you know, was theoretically making 10 bucks on each book. Um, but I, I ended up somehow $20,000 in debt. <laughs> Not exactly sure how that happened. It was just like every screw-up after a screw-up after screw-up after screw-up after screw-up. Um, and none of which were my, were my fault, honest to God, except perhaps only because of my ignorance in planning for fuck-ups. I should have planned for fuck-ups, and I didn't. I had everything well-planned, and I don't think there was a single thing that actually went went as planned. Not even a single thing. Not one thing. Nothing. I mean, there were pages in Coldy that were printed. There were entire signatures of Coldy that were printed upside down. It was unbelievable. Like, there was, I'm like, fuck-ups that I've never seen in any other book or anywhere else ever in any other printing project with the same printer even happened so wow <laughs> enough <laughs> it's done <laughs> and that will be why there is no non number six uh, yeah well sort of I mean the reason 
I really like working with other artists. Mm-hmm. That was the main impetus behind making Non. The thing that made me think real hard about Non Number Six is looking at past history and past editors and asking myself, do I want to be a cartoonist or do I want to be an editor? And I want to be a cartoonist. I don't want to be an editor. And I just decided that. I'm like, I'm going to. I'm going to make my own book, and people can talk about my book if it's any good for my own work, rather than talking about an anthology that I do. Um, so I, you know, kind of wanting to be recognized mm-hmm. as a cartoonist rather than an editor, and um, which requires a hell of a lot more work. And I think I had been, you know, coasting by a lot on um, the fact that I'm printing my work with all this other amazing work, and. Um, you know that kind of generated its own its so own thing that wasn't me. You know, it was it was this anthology. So creatively, you've kind of stepping away from that editor's role has enabled you to kind of push yourself artistically by not being distracted by these well, other it's, outlets. It's just kind of putting myself into a sink or swim. Like it's either you know <laughs> either I do good work or uh, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to even talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason for my work to be printed. I guess I should say, you know, um, which you know, I just I, I think that you know it's it's important and uh, it's very it's very easy for me to get caught up in other people, like helping other people with their work and doing um, doing things that help other people is something that I'm very attracted to, and I kind of had to just stop myself from doing so much of that, which I think, you know, not doing the anthology anymore, I felt was like a big step towards, you know, trying to focus on my own stuff instead of distracting myself by focusing on other people.
Now, was Keeping to was that was after Non? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it was. I was going to say it's con- it was concurrent, but it was concurrent to me gluing. <laughs> 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 which, which lasted for like three years, you know, so. Yeah, it was after Non. Okay, I'm just wondering as far as like, because it is, it, it does feel different mm-hmm. than the past work. Yeah. I yeah, guess that's um, where you start getting sadder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> it'll have a happy ending. That's <laughs> one thing I can guarantee will have a happy ending. Uh, so it's not done? I'm I'm still working on it. I didn't include it in the last issue because I was uh, stuck with uh, 24 pages. They had already been solicited and we had agreed on doing 24 pages. And... Uh, 
the other two stories needed to have the space that they had, and so I wasn't able to include Keeping Two in there. But the next thing I'm going to like, the next issue is, is going to have Keeping Two in it because it's going to have more pages, and I'll be able to you know, put it in there. And I'm going to double up on the Keeping Two pages. So instead of six panels a page, it's going to be 12 panels a page. Oh, wow. Just to really, like, um, you know, get the story done. Because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, like, God, six panels a page, I'm going to have to publish, like, very long comic books to uh, um, actually get all the work in there that I need to do to get Keeping Two to the finishing point. And, um... I so are you going to like shrink the panels down? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, and they read like fine when I, I've, tr- I've, you know, I've run, I've print, I've done it and printed it out, and it reads fine, and it just won't be, the, you know, how it is in the final form, but it'll just, you know, it'll, it'll just make more use of the page, and, and you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, ma- I mean, I could make a longer comic book, but that's kind of not the point, right? Like, yeah. the comic book should be as compact as possible. Well, that's, uh, here's a question then. How, why is it important to you to, to be doing Uptight in the format it is? I mean, it's not a big choice for people nowadays to do comics, as you know. I mean, Sammy's for stuck me with it's, crickets. It's, and and I, know, I know this is going to sound just asinine, but um, <laughs> regularity. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know... <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, the comic comes out about once a year. Yeah. Um, it's going to come out before the end of the year. Number four is coming out before the end of the year. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, it's requiring a, an entire change of like lifestyle and like the, just the way I think about things and the way I work. And, uh, you know, the reason I started it was for a regular deadline and... And, 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 and I'm having to kind of adapt to it because obviously it hasn't worked yet and I um, am doing everything I can to make it work you know where I and I, I really want it to come out twice a year that would be ideal I mean three times a year would be great but um, I think twice a year is, is realistic and until I actually do it twice a year uh, I probably shouldn't be shooting for three times a year you know <laughs> but um but that's that's the goal twice a year, and that's you know I, I just kind of have to like organize my life more around comics. Well, let's let's talk about your actual comics. Um, one thing I've noticed throughout a large majority of the work is a kind of a theme of ghosts. Mm-hmm. It's it's big, really big. <laughs> it seems. Tell me about the interest with ghosts for you. Uh, and maybe ghost isn't the right term. No, it is. It is. It's definitely the right term. Uh, I I love ghosts, but have only read one or two ghost stories that are worth a damn. Like I, I read tons of ghost stories, mm-hmm. but they're always incredibly disappointing. So it's like I like the idea of ghosts. I don't know that it's necessarily the greatest form to have a story in. Like ghosts, but I, I like. They have a lot to do with memory and regret, and mistakes, and um, and and you know the uh, they're, they're they're you don't know if they're around. Some people see them. Some people don't. 
and uh, there's there's this connection with 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 the past, yeah, as well, uh, which I don't know if that's necessarily reflected in any of my stories, but it it is in uh, the last only Saturday, I think. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, um, and and I guess it's also you know there's a continuity as well where when someone's dead, they're not gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is probably, you know, in a, in a scientific sense, I guess, if you wanted to look at it really just like coldly, a very easy way of explaining ghosts. You know, that, that you're, somebody's just on your mind a lot, and you're seeing, you know, it's like when you're reading a really good book, you, you see a lot of connections to that book just in your regular life. And you, or at least I do. You know, I, 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 it seems like suddenly there's this whole hidden world of of uh, connections to this particular book that I'm reading, and um, and I think that's how it is with ghosts, where uh, <clears throat> or you know, it's you know, it's sort of a li- like you've just broken up with somebody, and everything reminds you of them. Um, that sort of thing, except with somebody who's dead. <laughs> And so it's a little more maybe creepy, you know, that you're seeing things and, 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 and then maybe things are happening that you're attributing to the person you're thinking about. Do you find this is something you're going to keep exploring? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I like ghost stories. I, I want to do a good one. That's, that's, my, uh, <laughs> that's what I'd like to do. Um, so I, I guess I got to keep working on them until I get one that I'm really, I really feels, you know, good. And of course, ghost stories aren't ghost stories; they're regular stories that happen to have ghosts in them. So, you know. they're, they're they're stories of loss yeah. and loneliness. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that's the main thing is that that feeling of not being lonely, mm-hmm. even though you are lonely, maybe, mm-hmm. without going into the typical treatment of lonely comic guys. Right. Of, uh, in the completely <laughs> other direction. Of gently falling leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and I just like the, the you know, th- th- that they can be super pulpy ghost stories. They're, they can be just horror stories. And they can also be uh, regular plain old stories as well that happen to have a ghost. Um just stories about what's on somebody's mind, what is it, what they're thinking about, you know, and how it how it kind of expresses itself in the world. Now, how I, I like ghosts. Let's just yeah. keep it simple. <laughs> like ghosts, that's okay. I mean, you draw what you enjoy, yeah. or you tell what yeah. you enjoy, and that's the important thing. Yeah. How do your comics fit with your silk screening? Are they um, well? A uh, um, screen prints are kind of for me like a little vacation. I like I like images and I like color, and um, it's fun to do screen prints because uh, I'm actually after I get off the phone with you, I'm leaving to go to the studio to do uh, like a three day stretch of screen printing where it's just like it's just this powering through like three prints and. Um, 
it's it's kind of like just a vacation where it's like the only thing I have to think about is my print, and that's yeah. it. You know, and I'm just printing, 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 and then I'm done. Okay, good. And um, just I like I like art that is inexpensive enough to be available to everyone, and um, I like multiples. I love working in multiples where there's not a single image, you know, a single like uh, thing, piece of art. Yeah, I like having that piece of art be, be. You know, I like it when I like beautiful things that are mass produced um, with quality. <laughs> I should say, and and, um, and I guess the the important thing to me to add to that is the hands on feeling. Well, yeah, that's 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 true too. I, I mean, and that comes you know in terms of the quality. Like, I like it, that it's real pigment, like real paint, instead of. Um, just printed out by a machine. Yeah, like that is what for me that quality. Like I, gicles mean nothing to me. Like I, I, I don't own a gicles. I don't want to own any gicles. It's just they're they're inkjet printouts. You yeah, know? and it's like it's I, uh, fancy for saying photocopy. Well, yeah, no, inkjet <laughs> printouts, which are better than photocopy. I they're know, they're they're the best. Gicles, short of an offset press, are definitely the best way of. Reproducing something with a wide tonal range um, and gradations and stuff like that. Definitely, I mean, it's, it's, as far as the printing process, it's fine. It's just that it, um, I prefer like the real pigment, like actual pigment applied and, you know, how it, you know, the craft that goes into making it and how, um, I just like how it looks to it. For me, it feels a lot more rich and a lot more deep. Uh, um, Perfect example is actually that uh, that Michael Chabon cover that I did for uh, for McSweeney's. Um, yeah, those yeah. are all they're all done in Pantone colors and flat Pantone colors. And um, the only way I could get the color to be super vibrant is by just printing color upon color upon color, so that it all stacks up and it glows. If it was done with a four-color offset, there just wouldn't be enough ink on the paper to make it glow. And that's the thing about screen printing or versus gicles. You're not going to get that glowiness um, yeah. from just four colors, especially four colors that are so far apart in, in actual range. Um, like the hexachrome process is where it's six colors, and you, you get closer to that because you can really stack the ink on there. But all of that said, bleh. Screen printing, I like it. I like, um, I like that it's paint on paper, and I like that it's flat surfaces of color on paper. Even though I've done half tones, but still, whatever. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by the way that you're able to, I guess, kind of see the layers of colors. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Um. It took it took it took a while. Yeah. I realized I finally had the. Uh, <laughs> I had the, had the eye because I know when I started I was just dumbfounded. I, I like looking at two color prints and being like, "How did you figure out how to do that? It's insane! <laughs> two colors and yet you've printed one on top of the other into this other thing, and you're using the white from the paper. It's insane!" And I totally didn't get it. And it took a long, long time of just mucking around to actually be able to get it and I, I one day when I was uh, I realized I finally got it when I uh, was sitting um, I was sitting in my living room and I was looking out the window and there was it was it was sunset and there was a cloud 
out there, and there was this white cloud, and it was lit from underneath by the sun. It was in a blue sky, but there was pink. And I was looking at the cloud, and I was thinking to myself, I could do that in two colors. And I did the separations, and it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, I think I've got it. <laughs> was it Brian Ralph that first got you into still screening? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I was doing uh, printing before I moved to Massachusetts. Okay. Um, I was doing, but it was, it was single-color printing for, like, on t-shirts that I was doing for like my friend's bands and uh, just kind of that was my first venture into screen printing so I had been doing it but he was the first one that ever um, he sort of took me under his wing and you know showed me how to print on paper and you know all the processes that go behind printing on paper and um, and that was that was and he also opened up his it was Fort he was at, he was at Fort Thunder at that point and he you know I, I just could go down there to print, or up there, I guess, to Providence, to print anytime I wanted to print, and it was awesome. It was amazing, and that's where I got, that's where I was able to actually start printing, and, you know, just kind of, I guess, familiarize myself with the just, you know, process of printing layers of color and um, overprinting and all that sort of thing, which took a long time. I mean, if you look at my first print, there's no overprinting and all it's just bright colors like one top of the other not really mm-hmm. any effect but like and it took a while for me to kind of go oh yeah okay I can actually stack the colors I mean I, I probably was printing for like five years before I actually did it well <laughs> you know or decently anyway how is your if you don't mind talking about because Brian alluded to a fancy setup you have for screening <sighs> Um, well, I don't have that setup anymore. I, uh, <laughs> that, that setup, I actually moved to a, um, a printing studio in Los Angeles, uh, downtown Los Angeles, that I am renting space at. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a regular, it's a, it's a printing table, except it's at an angle, so you can get a better pull on it. And it's got, like, a little pulley to... Uh, to, to hold the um, the screen in the air when you lift it up, and you know it's got hinges and that sort of thing. It's it's I wouldn't call it fancy. I would call it uh, garage uh, engineering. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit engineered, but uh, it's not uh, it's not super fancy. Um, I'm actually printing at a different studio down in Upland where I can print much much bigger. And so I, in my house, I, I moved from the house that Brian had seen to a, a much smaller house and so there's just no no room anywhere for printing so yeah it's all off premises now and you're doing most of the stuff you're doing is really big now right yes it's 26 by 40 it's taken a lot of like huge it's it's awesome like i and and seriously the (laughs) latest round of prints that i'm I'm doing i actually laid them all out to go smaller because i was thinking like god you know why am I doing it big? They don't fit in anybody's apartment. Like, it's just huge. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I laid them all out, and I was ready to go, and then I was, like, thinking to myself, you know, if I'm going to be printing them, I may as well print them big. I mean, I'm still pulling the damn squeegee. Yeah. That's big. I love it. I love huge. It's ah, it's great. I, I, I don't know exactly... I don't know. It, yeah, it's, 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 a pro- it's definitely problematic for people who like my work, because if they, you know... They have to wait for the small version reprint to come out if it ever does, 
to get it into their apartment. Because I, mean, I was looking around my house, and I'm like, where would I put a print th- of the size that I do? And there's one place. <laughs> one. My, uh, girl- you know. we, my girlfriend and I were looking at the one of the, the bicycle. It's mm-hmm. like, but we have nowhere for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a problem, right? It's, it's ridiculous. And uh, so I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot, but at the, on the other hand, it's just, it's like this narcotic attraction for me where I just, it's huge. I love it. I love it. And it's a good workout too, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, I mean, especially the way I'm doing it r- lately, which is, um, because I'm, 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 I'm also, I'm, I'm paying daily for this studio that I use in Upland. Um, I go down there and I'm like, I'm going to maximize my time. And I go down there for usually three days. And I, I basically, <laughs> I work for about 15 or 20 hours and then take a one-hour nap and then <laughs> work for another 15 <laughs> or 20 hours, take a one-hour nap, and then I'm usually through the run by then. And it's just this, yeah, it's, it's definitely this endurance marathon. Um, but it's good, you know. It's it's easy, it's easy to keep track of stuff mentally, like what needs to be done and you mm. know that sort of thing. When no noodling around. Yeah, no no screwing around at all, and it also keeps you like, you know, very alert. <laughs> so it's good, and uh, it is a workout. I have a friend that has a studio in Vancouver. They do all the skull skate stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're always like pouring in sweat when I go by their shop. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I have I've stopped drinking when I print. I used to like, you know, drink beer and yeah. print. And now because of the like this marathon thing, I have like dialed in where it's just like I drink water, no coffee, no, no stimulants, no depressants, water, and I eat egg sandwiches. That's it. Wow. And it's like that works. It works. I'm not going to screw with it. You can't go too high or too low. You not f- much sugar. A little bit of sugar. Not much. You found your routine. Yeah, luckily I don't do it very, very often. You know, like it's it's only like I'm doing three, three, three marathons basically before the uh, before San Diego Comic Convention. And then you'll have a, a big old table there. And yeah, and I'll have a table, and I'll have uh, done you know my printing for a while. I ba- my my routine my routine my what I'm. Your process? The, what I'm working on is basically work on the comic for about six months, publish the comic, make prints, go back to the comic, and, you know, between the two, just go back and forth between the two. But I'm not, I don't print while I'm working on the comic at all. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember you saying that you're, when I first approached you, you are like, you're not in comic mode, I guess you're in print mode, and mm-hmm. you wanted mm-hmm. to wait till. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Now, how does... Uh, or does it factor any more um, book uh, design? It factors as little as possible. I uh, I don't really do book design. Um, it, I mean, it's like this. I had kids, and having kids made me reassess like where I'm spending my time because I have to spend a lot of time with my children because I want to. That's something mm-hmm. that's very important to me. And so a lot of things that I was interested in and still am interested in had to get dropped because I'm not, I'm not dropping comics I'm not dropping prints and so it's essentially comics prints my children and everything else 
not so much. Um, now, I'd, I've done a little bit of book design. I did the Michael Chabon cover, and um, I, I did a Jaime Hernandez book for Abrams, which I think is coming out next year. I think it's coming out in the fall. Really? Yeah, that's okay. I, I think it's spring of 2010. Oh yeah, they post yeah. I mean, they it again. Keep, I don't know. It's it's who knows. Your guess is probably as good as mine because I don't. I know nothing. It's I, I got the Abrams catalog, and one of the selling features is oh really book, awesome. Okay, great. So it's coming out in the fall probably. Yeah. And th- well, they said book design by Jordan Crane. Mm. Cool. So I mean, that's it's interesting, like how um, that I mean. You know, it's not often they actually make a point of stating unless it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Chip Kid or Chip Kid. Um, I've well, heard it's I, I, I that was I took that job, you know, because I really really like Jaime's work mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to make a great book for him, which I, I feel like he hasn't had a great book. Like I feel like a lot like for my in my own tastes, I feel like a lot of the books of his work have not quite been as awesome as they should be. So it was my goal to make one that was totally awesome. And I've heard he... Which he I may or may not have done, but <laughs> I did my best to do that. I talked to him about it in May, and he mm-hmm. sounds really happy, especially with the work that Todd did uh, on the biography mm-hmm. work. And Yeah. So I think it's 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 about time. Quality book. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it'll be a good book about a great artist. And I think that's the best I could hope for. Um, hopefully, it'll be a great book about a great artist. I, I think it will. I, I'm really thinking this. Yeah, so. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That. Todd's great. He's awesome. He was a pleasure to work with. And, and Jaime was, was great to be uh, <laughs> Just putting in the uh, the captions. We had him when he just sat. <laughs> Let's talk about this picture. And he did, <laughs> and I put the captions. <laughs> this is the perfect way to get a book. No fit around. Yeah, talk about the trend. And, and, and captioning to us an example. They're very informal. Yeah. Which, but. It's nice, you know, because that's kind of what you want to hear when, you know, in the artist's voice about something.
What other book design work had you done other than the uh, the Chabin book and the the Jaime coming up? Um, or is there anything that you're particularly proud of? There was there was one for at the company. Uh, there's one called the Dead Fathers Club that I did a, a cover for. Um, oh, I did the Morning Morning Star because uh, oh yeah the yeah. first one the first one the second one uh, it looks awesome but I didn't I can't take credit for that. That kid um, is fantastic. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. I love his work. I uh, I'm a big fan of his. Um, what else did I do? Uh, I can't think of any. I mean, I must have done some others. I, I really. I mean, that's I. Th- th- my problem with book design and design work in general is that I really, 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 really love it, and um, I feel that uh, I've always got the best idea you know, and I hate it when editors start editing me and so I just can't I'm like fuck this I don't want to do this you know, I don't want I don't want to just be like some hired dude that's like hey do this cover and we'll tell you how to make it better yeah you know I don't want to do that I want to make I want to make the best cover and not have somebody fuck with it and that's I guess good about working like with something like Kaz's book or with McSweeney's exactly. where it's more about what the artist brings as exactly, a vision exactly like working directly with the artist where the artist says this is what I want for the cover yeah making the best of that and and you know that's it no you know it's 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 that's for me the purest like every artist should be happy with their book cover you know and if they're not there's a problem and editors totally don't get that and it's 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 just troubling for me you know, and it's really, it's just, I don't have the constitution to work in the design world. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and frankly, I want to be a cartoonist. I don't want to be a designer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, the reason I'm doing it, though, is just because I love it. You know, I no. love, I have tons and tons and tons of paperbacks and old books that, you know, I, I just love having, looking at the covers. Like, you know, aside from what's inside of them, just looking at the covers is, is Great, you know? Well, I remember at San- at Seattle last year, you're showing me all these crazy old, like, fifties kids mm-hmm. comics you're mm-hmm. drooling over that you'd picked mm-hmm. up for bargains, like yeah, covers. They're just, uh, you know, I think, and I think it's that's probably part of my attraction to print as well. Like print making prints is the, uh, you know, the single image. All this promise, you <laughs> know, what could happen? It's all magic. Yeah, some yeah, you know, it's like kind of it's cool. So. But yeah, I I don't really want to do much design work.
40 a fight. 40 a fight. 54, 54, 54, 40 a fight. All right! Got a feeling in my guts. Hey, just say that I had enough And everybody sets me off, I'm over the edge I got a time bomb cooking inside Fire burning in my eyes Nowhere to hide And nowhere to turn I got a little heat down in my soul Now, the one main book we didn't touch on, which is your biggest book, is The Clouds Above, mm. mm-hmm. which is, I guess, a turn in the more fun direction for you. Yes. Was that kind of a, I'm a dad now type uh, book? Well, no, actually. I uh, had been working on it since before I was a dad. It was, I, was in, I was in Portugal in, what was it, 2000? Oh, yeah, 2001. It was like three weeks after 9-11, so, yeah. You were stranded? No, 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 I actually, I got, I got on a plane, like, five, like, as soon as they started letting people fly again, I was on a plane to Portugal, because there was a, uh, there was, like, a comics show there, and, uh, I got to be a guest. I did, like, the poster for it. It was awesome, driving around the city, seeing, like, this gigantic poster that I had done. 
all over the place. It was amazing. <laughs> it was just I was like, "Fuck, this is <laughs> enjoy it. This is not gonna happen again." <laughs> <laughs> it was like I pulled this big trick on them Like what? Okay <laughs> Who amazing. is this guy? <laughs> but um, I uh, I was in Portugal In this little town I wish I you know knew what town it was but It was this town that I, mean, I guess if I was looking at a map I could figure it out But it was this town that had this great castle Way 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 up on the hill And um, I was sitting in a cafe And this little kid Walked by Little tiny kid with this giant mop Of white hair and I was, I just saw him and was like, that, that's awesome. And I drew him in my sketchbook and, uh, you know, it kind of went from there. Uh, and the first thing I used him in was a stripper Nickelodeon. And that was kind of the beginning of, of Simon and Jack and their adventures. And, um, and, and, and yeah, I, the first, the, the first clouds above, well, clouds above, was kind of a disappointment to me. I wanted it to be. You a originally lot. had like a mini, a mini of it, right? Uh, well, the mini was the shortcut, and that yeah. happened right before Clouds Above. That was uh, their their adventure exactly before they got to school. And they actually start Clouds Above in the exact position that or exact place that they the, the shortcut ended. Okay. Um, which is how the next book starts as well. It's it's just like it's gonna be this big crazy day that'll <laughs> take <laughs> take a lifetime to finish but um it's uh yeah I mean so uh yeah there was the shortcut and then there was the clouds above which I, I you know I, I it wasn't quite as it just wasn't as big as I wanted it to be not I don't mean in terms of page count I just mean in terms of like scope and craziness um the Ted Mayness. Totally. Yeah, it was nowhere near anything that Ted May has done. You know, it, it's it's not anywhere. It's not as exciting. You know, I wanted that that sort of just like holy shit. Hold on tight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm trying to get that in the next book. So we'll see. We'll see. Your art style. Um, it, I find it really fascinating because I like sat down and reread everything, and especially uh, looking at the three uptights. Is everything has its own specific style? It seems like. I think that's just because I um, am still struggling with just the way I want to draw. Uh, yeah, it's troubling. Like, I mean, I, the last issue of Uptight, I started using noses. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I stripped everything down. Keeping two was the point at which I had stripped everything down um, as, as bare as I could because yeah. I, I wanted there to be as much input from the reader as I possibly could get. You know, like, it was just like their emotions were based on their circumstances, yeah. not necessarily the look on their face. And also I found that when I had a detailed face and a sort of big emotion on it 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 made me feel um kind of judgmental of that emotion you know like if somebody's like screaming in horror i i just kind of would be looking at them being like Meh. yeah look at you it's almost you know it's cartoonish I, I mean that in like a bad way like it's like it's it's kind of a, a farce of that emotion and i wanted it to not be that and so i stripped it way down and felt that that was working and then um you know, I found myself 
wanting in terms of characterization, you know, being able to, like, tell the reader something about a character through their, the way they look. And so, and, you know, noses are good. And so I introduced noses, and, and then this issue, I, I put in eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably as complex it's gonna get, as it's going to get, but um, I, uh, it, it's just struggling with, with, with a, a way to make a, uh, a character expressive without being um, farcical. And uh, and also being able to draw them quickly as well, because that um, you know that seems like a problem as well with 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 a lot of <laughs> especially like clouds above, like it just takes forever to draw the backgrounds and everything. And um, I'm already too slow, <laughs> you know. So uh, I'm just trying to make them a, a, as concise as possible so they, they read easily and you know there's not a lot of extra bullshit detail in there as well well I mean it is, is, it is a fun read I mean friends love to borrow it and show it to their kids mm. and stuff so yeah it's good mm. I, felt, I felt pretty amused about putting um, clouds above in this issue of uptight as well because I was just like wow no kids are going to read this <laughs> I mean, my daughter nope. read it, but I, I, I turned to the yeah. page that Uptight began, or the, the Clouds Above began on, or Freeze Out, as it is in this book, and gave it to her, and I was like, there it is, and I, like, was, I was <laughs> Don't go in back. the kitchen while she was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're done, great, okay, let me have that book now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's yeah. a sad story. <laughs> I hear terrible things are going to happen. Oh, with uh, Vicissitude? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't know what the story itself is called, but that was the chapter. Yeah. It's it, that. That I'm. I'm very excited about that. I hope it's going to be. It's, it should be pretty nuts. I. I'm enjoying it. Good. And, uh, yeah. I, I. I. Can't say I'm enjoying it, but. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I think. Uh, I'm excited about the direction that it's going. The. Just all the, the stuff I have planned for it. I'm. Ex- I think it's going to be good and. Um, I've written pretty far ahead, uh, so I, you know. Is sketchbook a big part of your process, just and how you plan? Um, yes, it is. I uh, I do a lot of thumbnails. I do a lot of writing in in thumbnails, um, and it's like uh, the way I write is just to sit down and start working on a scene, and then the next day I'll sit down and I'll start working on. If I didn't like that scene, I'll just start working on that scene again. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of pick a point in the story that seems the most, that, that I have the, the best grasp on, and just move forward from there. And a lot of times there's a lot of skipping around and going here and like, okay, let's do this scene. And while I'm writing, new things come out that connect to other things. It's, it's, it, the sketchbook is nice because there's no... No, you can't. You're not doing anything wrong. You know, yeah. you're just you're just writing and writing, and the characters develop, and and things develop in the story that 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 should be there, and a lot of things develop that shouldn't be there, and you know, it's able. It's you could just get rid of them, and and then you know, piece it all together. And I like to have the story on paper mostly before I'll start putting it in. Uh, 
in an actual like on 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 the final paper yeah you know, on the, on the actual comics paper and uh so yeah i work i work i work a lot in my sketchbook and it's just filled with squares with pictures in them <laughs> <laughs> they should sell like incredibly dull to look at but there's i mean it's i i it, most of it doesn't read at all um except to me <laughs> they should make like a cartoonist sketchbook that is just panels oh god no no that'd be horrible <laughs> i mean because for me it's like everyone would have the exact same looking comic <laughs> <laughs> well no but i mean for me like half of the like there's a lot of like there's there's a sort of i, I kind of prepare myself for the writing process as i'm drawing the panels yeah you know, this is kind of like I'm drawing the panels. I'm kind of putting myself into the mental space of writing. And um, when, uh, if I got, if I had the panels just already drawn, and be like, "Sit down, go!" <laughs> Holy shit! What? Uh, okay, I don't know. Then it would you be a different to, process. You'll have to do a Mark Bell comic. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> in, in that kind of situation, you have to do something like Mark Bell. Right. Right. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I. I I, I like working in my sketchbook. It's it's the best, most uh, most straightforward writing process, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and I've learned to not not really not really you know be down on myself about how well a story is going. You know, it's sort of just learning to live with complete uncertainty, which uh, which takes a while. You know, when I first started writing, it was. Uh, I was still living with complete uncertainty, but I thought it was wrong. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like, this is fucked up. I just don't know how to write. You know, I, I, I had this idea that the story should just appear to me in, in perfection in my mind, and then I'm just going to copy it down on the paper. And the more I've written, the more I've realized that things happen while you're writing. And as long as you're there and your brain is engaged with your writing and you're making, making it as you go along... Um, not just copying down something from your head, but you're actually working with creating it, creating it. Yeah. Um, then things happen, and that is really what writing is. It's not. It's not just copying what's in your head. It's actually creating something on the paper at, you know, at that moment in time, which is you know that that part of it's really exciting, but also terrifying because you know you're working on it, and you're like shit. Nothing's happening. It's been like two weeks, and I've got shit. <laughs> but that's actually totally never the case. You know, you go back through your what you've written in the last two weeks, and there's something, and there's something else, and it leads to something, and it's generative, and it's like even even stuff that is complete crap you can cut up and use for bait to catch some other stuff, you know, and it, it all works together. There'll be something there that'll work. Yeah, and, and it, it ends up like... Uh, ends up all fitting together I my analogy for writing is like there's a string and that string is the story and that string is like 20 feet long you don't even know how long the string is and it's buried underneath the ground and there's just a little part of the string poking up in like maybe three or four places and you have to kind of go and tug on the string and then it stops coming and then you have to go over to another spot and tug on the string a little and then you go over and you finally tug as much as you possibly can on every part with a string is showing and then you have to start digging down around the string and pulling it out and uh and it takes a while but you finally get the whole string yeah but you don't know how long it is and you don't know how you don't know anything about the string what's attached to it you don't know anything but it just 
you just have to kind of work at it every day, excavating it, pulling it out of the ground. Do you kind of go along the Jaime school of letting the story take you where it takes you? And is that his school? He he. It sounds like his characters write themselves in a way. Mm. I don't. I don't think I'm fortunate enough to have characters that write themselves yet. I think that's definitely the sort of thing that comes with a lot more writing experience. Than well, I, I mean, he's got probably fifteen, twenty years on you. Yeah. So, um, but that said, yes, the best writing. It just happens, mm-hmm. you know. It, it it doesn't. Well, sorry, it doesn't just happen. You need to be there. You need to be working, but you don't plan it. It's not the planned stuff. I mean, I always need to get the planned stuff out of my head. That's the first thing I put down. Get it out of my head. Get rid of it because it's not going to work. <laughs> but if I have it in my head and it's not on paper, I'm going to be constantly thinking it's a b- great idea. Always. I mean, and. So get it out of my head, get it onto the paper, see what happens, see where it leads, see what becomes of it, and just, you know, basically empty my head as fast as I can of all my ideas for a story, and then some of those things will actually generate usable usable panels, and then go from there. And there if we have a comic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's like, it's, it, there, there's also not that much to it in terms of as long as you can sit down every day and work on it and be there, something always happens. And that's why it's so important for you to be able to just focus on the comics by themselves without yeah. working on these other projects. Exactly, without you know working on prints and, um, you know, like when it's time to print, I print. When it's time to work on comics, that's the only thing I'm working on. Um, and that's, you know, it's important mm-hmm. to just, you know, completely not, just to not take any, 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 other, any other work. I just have a hard time switching between things, multitasking. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what the new prints are. Uh, well, uh, let's see. You've probably seen some of them. There's the cover of Uptight. <laughs> number three, <laughs> number three yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's there's a cover I did for the Cine Family. It's a uh, it's a movie theater in yeah. Los Angeles. The one that Sammy runs. Yeah. Well, he doesn't run it. He's, no. He it's it's uh, he's tangentially involved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's involved at all anymore. But no, he was at one point. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, but he's another one that takes on too many projects. Yeah. And, uh, but um, yeah, I did a cover for the Halloween issue, and it's like zombies eating somebody. So I'm doing that one, and then I'm doing the old cover for Uptight number three, which is like a, a decapitated, bloody head with the word Uptight above it. Um, which is the first print that I've actually decided to just put Uptight in because it looks so good. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I took I took it out, and I'm like, boy, the print sure works better with that word there. Yeah. So um. Just this giant screaming bloody head and says uptight. I'm like, who's going to buy this thing? Really? Does anybody want that? I don't want it in my house. You know what, though? You're going to San Diego. No, it's it's true. It's true. Um, But uh, it's just, I'm just always amazed at most of the prints I make. You know, I'm like, why why do you want that on your (laughs) wall? (laughs) 
yeah, I, I, whatever. It's I'd going like in the child's it. bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then, and then another one is uh, like a couple of tickets that I, I had sitting around that I liked. So I drew the tickets. You, you like doing that, the objects. I do. I, you know, it's just like every once in a while, something will really strike me as perfect. Yeah, like you. I, I remember the the eraser one, mm-hmm. which was ma- one of your first massive ones. Mm, it was, yeah, one of the first ones. The very first massive one was the uptight number one cover. Okay. Um, but I've since perfected my process. The massive process. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, uh, I I wish you luck uh, at San Diego that you don't go mad. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, San Diego's not so bad. It's well, you, it's I mean, a you, lot of work. you go every year because you live right by there, right? So you, I do. You, it's I not do. a sudden shock and change, and it's just a lot of yeah. I guess if you're coming from somewhere far away, but you know, it's just. I'm just in my booth the whole time. It's not super. I'm not, I don't walk around, God. Except maybe on Sunday to get a few old comics deals. Yeah, got to find those Harveys. I know. But it's not even a comics convention anymore, for real. It's like a television and movie convention. I know. With comics. Like, I'm like, why don't you guys just get rid of comics already? You're just Let comics have its own show. Pardon? Let comics have its own show. Well, really. I mean, not that anybody would come. I mean, you know, probably at this point, comics are... Oh, no, the, the, the Don't get rid of us. Yeah. No, the, like, you know, you you came to the Seattle. It wasn't so bad. No, you're right. You're right. It's, it's true. Yeah. It's true, but uh yeah. It, it certainly wouldn't be as massive as, as it is now. No. Um but anyway, yeah, it's fun. You get to see a bunch of people that you haven't seen. That's haven't seen it's like the, you know, the I guess the class reunions of comics. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. Except now people are t- tending to get jaded about going to San Diego because it's so huge. Yeah. I've never been. I don't know if I'll ever go. You won't be missing a whole lot. No. You're good. No. I uh, I went to TCAF. That was fun. That cool. was good Mocha's good. I've been once. I'd like to go some more. Yeah, next time I need to go for a sauna, I'll go to Mocha. Pardon? Next time I need a sauna, I'll go to Mocha. Oh, I heard. Yeah. yeah. That was awful. I am done with my questions. Cool. Cool. Thank well, you so I much, I Jordan. I guess I'm done with my answers. Oh, I'm sailing away, my own true love. I'm sailing away in the morning. Here's something I can send you from across the sea. From the place that I'll be landing No, there's nothing you can send me, my own true love There's nothing I'm wishing to be owning Just to carry yourself back to me unspoiled I'm across that lonesome ocean Ah, but I just thought You might want something fine Made a silver or of golden 
Either from the mountains of Madrid Or from the coast of Barcelona But if I hear the stars of the darkest night And the diamonds from the deepest ocean I'd forsake them all for your sweet kiss For that's all I'm wishing to be owning But I might be gone a long old time And it's only that I'm asking Here's something I can send you To remember me by To make your time more easy passing Oh, how can, how can you ask me again? It only brings me sorrow This same thing I would want today I will want again tomorrow Oh, I got a letter on a lonesome day It was from her ship, it's sailing Saying I don't know when I'll be coming back again It depends on how I'm feeling If you, my love, must think that it way I'm sure your mind is a Roman I'm sure your thoughts are not with me But with the country to where you're going So take heed, take heed of the western winds Take heed of the stormy weather And yes, there's something you can send back to me Spanish boots are Spanish leather